Hi everybody, I'm Emma Houghton and you're listening to 30 Teams in 30 Days on the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. We are one day removed from opening day. Major League Baseball has begun and I have spent each day in March previewing all 30 Major League Baseball teams in alphabetical order. So today is April 2nd and I continue on with the Seattle Mariners. So opening day exceeded all expectations yesterday, a really, really jam-packed day of action that continues on today on this Friday. Including this one, I have six more of these season's previews to do, which will take me through up until a week from today. I'll do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, finish up with the last two teams, few teams in the league, and then I will have all 30 Major League Baseball season previews. I'm excited to talk about the Mariners today, and they are, at the time of this recording, 1-0. They beat the San Francisco Giants yesterday in extra innings, 8-7. They were down for the majority of the game, came back, and Jake Fraley walked it off with a walk in extras. So the Mariners get to 1-0. The San Francisco Giants, who I did yesterday, coincidentally, finished start the season 0-1. So let's get into these Seattle Mariners or go over the past few years, off-season wrap-up, position battles, starting pitching, relief pitching, bench prospects, and I'll finish on the team philosophy. And I actually think, as I was doing my research, the Mariners are very similar to the Detroit Tigers in terms of the caliber and quality of the major league talent they have. But both eyes are really on the future. And the priority this year is not to win games. It is to develop players. So the history of this team, it's been pretty up and down, but none of it has been division leading or at any, at any point. So in 2017, they were 78 and 84. In 2018, they were 89 and 73. That was their best season in a while. They finished third in the ALS that year, just with how competitive the A's and the Astros have been of late. In 2019, they finished dead last in the West, 68 and 94. And then last year in the shortened 2020 season, the Mariners finished third in the AL. West with 27 wins and 33 losses. So only a few games out for 500. Again, every single year, the goal for this club is to come close to making the World Series because they are the only team in baseball that has never even appeared in a World Series game. You go back and think about some of those excellent teams in the early 2000s and the late uh, 90s with Rodriguez, Ichiro, but the team was never able to get over that World Series hump, and they're definitely not anywhere close right now. But I think some of the stars that could see a lot of time this year will make Mariners fans very excited. So to wrap up the offseason, they added a lot of bullpen depth, which is definitely the biggest glaring weakness they had after the shortened 2020 season. And they added a pseudo-ace, or at least an ace of the past in James Paxton. They also added Ken Giles, who will start the season on the injured list, but adds a nice uh, closer anchor in this pen, along with Crix Flexen, who will start in the starting rotation, Kendall Graveman, Kenyon Middleton, and Rafael Montero, who has been named the closer for this Mariners team as of now. And then some departures, some very speedy, versatile guys that the Mariners will definitely miss on the base pass, D. Strange Gordon and Malik Smith. Smith had led the league in steals at one point during his career in Seattle. 
So now let's go through some of these position battles. Because of injuries, I think a few of them are still in flux. And a lot of spring training performances helped the Mariners organization fill some of these holes. But catcher, you'll definitely see Tom Murphy there on opening day and in the past. He didn't play at all in 2020, so he is a bit of a wild card, but he's he's a career 248 hitter. So he's definitely more known for how he can perform behind the plate versus in the batter's box. First baseman, Evan White. We know that he is a gold glove caliber first baseman defensively. In 2020, he had a 42% strikeout rate. He hit 176. He came up through this system, valued very highly. Nobody expected to see those numbers out of him, but a theme that I'll repeat very consistently throughout these next few minutes as I go through this team, these guys are so young that 2021 is really their first their first crack at a full season for a lot of these guys. And it'll be so important for them to come into their own this year. So I think we can put less emphasis on how they were definitely in the 2020 season and even when they were a rookie in 2019 and focus on how they do this year. Second baseman, Dylan Moore, he actually had a very good 2020. He hit he had a 138 OPS+. Plus. He slots in at second, but he can also play outfield, which is good with the injuries loiter- lingering there. And then really the face of this team right now, Kyle Seeger. He's at third base. He's the brother of the World Series MVP, Corey Seeger. Because of the market that Seeger is in and because the Mariners have been so out of relevance for so many years, people undervalue Kyle Seeger. He has a 33.4 career war. That is very, very solid, especially at a position like third base where there are so many names grabbing headlines all the time, like Matt Chapman, Nolan Arenado, and Anthony Rendon, even Alex Bregman. So Kyle Seager's name falls down that list, but offensively and defensively, he is a high, high quality player. And he is maybe the one aging guy. He's, he, I think he's 33, so he's not too old, but he might be the one guy that is still a part of this Mariners future because he's just extremely valuable. Shortstop, we move to J.P. Crawford, another veteran on this team. In 2020, he won his first gold glove, which was very well-deserved for how well he's been playing at shortstop for years. He also decreased his strikeout rate and increased his contact rate at pitches in the zone. So the Mariners will need much more of that in 2021. And now we move to the outfield. So if Kyle Lewis, the reigning AL Rookie of the Year, had not been put on the 10-day IL, the day of opening day, yesterday on Thursday, the outfield would have looked like Taylor Trammell in left, Kyle Lewis in center, and Mitch Haniger in right. Because Kyle Lewis is on the IL, the opening day lineup yesterday was Jake Fraley in left, Taylor Trammell in center, and Mitch Haniger in left. So I think you will see a combination of those four guys as the season goes on potentially some Ty France, who has started the season at DH, could see some time at outfield. I mentioned Dylan Moore as well. But we'll go with Fraley, Trammell, and Hanniger for now because Lewis is still on the IL. Jake Fraley, coming into this year, he has 70 career major league plate appearances. So he is still so early on. He is already a fun stat here. He is leading the league in walks with three on opening day, which is a cool stat that he can come up, uh, hold on to and remember. Taylor Trammell, he's starting in center field until Kyle Lewis comes back. 
He's only 23 years old, but he's already in his third organization. He came over from San Diego in the Austin Nola trade, that big seven-player trade last year at the trade deadline. The Padres really needed a catcher. They didn't want to part ways with Trammell, and I think sometimes when we hear about these players who just get shipped out to multiple organizations, we think that it's maybe an indication of the lack of their abilities. I think that is opposite. In Trammell's case, he is such an attractive, valuable piece that he is always the the centerpiece of this trade, and I think that was exactly the case. So young, so much talent defensively, and if if, if his bat continues to progress like it did in, sprint, in the spring, the Mariners should be very excited. He sneaks in at number 100 on MLB's top 100 prospects list. And then Mitch Haniger, I think the prime candidate for AL Comeback Player of the Year, missed all of 2020 with injuries. He is another face of this franchise who has been around for years. And a lot of the people I talked about on the Giants team last year, like Posey, Longoria, who did start yesterday and hit a home run along with Posey, just as a side note there. You just want to see Mitch Haniger play well because he is one of those guys who just is such a fierce competitor, goes out every single day and deserves to be rewarded for his hard work. Kyle Lewis, I mentioned, he's on the 10-day IL. It is a bone bruise on in his knee, I believe. They don't think it will be too serious. And the sky is the limit for Lewis, already won AL Rookie of the Year. DH, it's Ty France. He's another guy who came over from the Padres in that NOLA trade. And in 2020, he had a 133 OPS+. Plus. He continued to rake in spring. He earned himself a spot on this opening day roster by how well he's played in this limited sample size in Seattle. Another really young guy. 2021 will be his first crack at a full season. And I could see him, like I said, getting time in the outfield if Haniger needs a break. He can also play a few infield spots if need be. But they're going to find ways to keep France's bat in the lineup. So the bench, it would have been interesting if Lewis had started the year in center, whether it would have been Trammell in left or Drake Fraley in left, or also Jose Marmalejos is a good bench option for Seattle. I believe Trammell would have started in the left and Fraley would have been coming off the bench, but these prospects are still so young that I think it will really be in flux, and whenever somebody struggles, you'll see more of the other. Now let's move to starting pitching, where uniquely... Four of the Mariners' six men in their starting rotation, the Mariners are going with a six-man rotation, are lefties. So you usually have a very right-handed dominant pen and pitching staff in general. The Mariners don't have that problem. They're actually leaning on towards the other side of the fence in terms of that problem with having so many lefties. Marco Gonzalez started on opening day for his third consecutive year. He has become the ace of this Mariners' starting rotation, and he is completely underrated. In 2020, he ranked in the 83rd percentile in average exit velocity allowed, so he gets a lot of weak contact. He walked only seven hitters. Seven. It was only a 60-game season, but still, to have single-digit number of walks is incredible. He is also one of only four pitchers in the American League to rank in the top 10 in wins last year with seven, innings with just over 69, and ERA at a 3-1-0, while leading the league also with over nine strikeouts per walk and a 0.90 
BB to 9 ratio. So Marco Gonzalez really has incredible stuff. And again, because of the market he's in, because of the team he plays for, because of the competitive AL West, his name is not mentioned. Gonzalez has good stuff and he continues to produce year after year. So watch out for him. He also didn't get any Cy Young votes last year, which I think is egregious. Behind him, you have Yusei Kikuchi, who came over to Major League Baseball and to America in 2019. I mentioned it with Hassan Kim, I believe, who came over to the Padres this offseason. You kind of just block out the first year of these players from the KBO who come over to Major League Baseball because there's so much more to adjust to than just baseball. Kikuchi was the same thing. He was adjusting to this new lifestyle. Tragically, he lost his father. He also became a father. So Kikuchi had a lot going on that year. And then in 2020, his numbers were misleading. He had a 5.17 ERA, but a 3.3 FIP and a 3.37 expected ERA. So I think he does have good stuff. I think he is very underrated. He was so highly coveted that I think he has disappointed. But Again, you block out that 2019 season, 2020 was shortened, 2021, I think, is when we will see exactly what Kikuchi is. He also, I mean, his slider is absolutely ridiculous. Hitters bat 167 against it. And last year, he was one of only eight pitchers to post an at least 50% ground ball rate and a 24% strikeout rate. That is good stuff. So those will be the one-two punch. I think that is a dominant one-two punch. It's just going to be whether the offense can keep up. What it looks like right now is that Chris Flexen, the new face, will see time in the third, on the third day against the Giants to round out that series. And then the next series will be James Paxton, Justice Sheffield, and Justin Dunn. And that is just to give Justin, uh, excuse me, James Paxton more rest. He was signed from the Yankees to the Mariners this offseason, one year, $8.5 million. I think that's a solid flyer deal, a nice homecoming story for Paxton, who spent the first six years of his career in Seattle, the last two in New York. 2020 was his worst career year from 2016 to 2020. He threw over 120 innings pitched. So I think that is definitely valuable in this young, relatively inexperienced Mariners rotation. His zips projection for 2021, 2.9 wins above replacement. So the metrics are liking Paxton and the Mariners are definitely going to rely on him heavily as long as he stays healthy. And I think... It's interesting, you see a lot of pitchers do better once they leave the stage in New York. And I think especially the comfort of returning to a place where Paxton succeeded for so long could be really good for him. You also have Justice Sheffield, who in his 2020 rookie season had a 3-1-7 FIP. Again, slow development for him, for somebody who had such high expectations. And Justin Dunn, another guy who has high expectations, nine walks in 11 innings pitched this spring. So again, you can't put too much stock into spring training spring training stats, but it is definitely something to look out for to make sure that he can keep his command under control. Now we go to the bullpen, which they added a bunch of bodies to because the Mariners had the third highest bullpen ERA in the majors last season. Rafael Montero will be the closer, I think, when Ken Giles comes back, assuming he is 100% healthy. He will compete with Montero for that spot because Giles has been so effective in that role for so many different teams over his career. 
Other guys that are expected to see a lot of innings and a lot of appearances this year, Kendall Graveman, Kenyon Middleton, Anthony Misowitz, and Nick Marjavicious. Again, not huge names, but guys who have good stuff, guys from both the left hand, left side and right side who can add some versatility to the otherwise pretty lefty-dominant starting rotation. And so far, they didn't give up their lead last night to the Giants, so the the Mariners' bullpen is doing so far so good. Now we move to the prospects, and again, I mentioned that it is not the Mariners' biggest priority to win this year. It is to see what their absolutely stacked farm system can do. We saw how well Kyle Lewis did in his rookie campaign last year. We're already seeing how well Tyler Trammell can play. Jared Kelenic, the number four overall prospect in baseball, the outfielder, is starting the offseason, or starting the season, excuse me, in the minor league system. Of course, you will know that name because he was the big, he was the player involved in the big scandal with Kevin Mather, the former CEO of the Mariners who stepped down this season. I actually should have mentioned that in my departures because the Mariners were in the news for the wrong reasons this offseason. Kevin Mather was really exposed for publicly manipulating service time, which has been a an occurring problem for years in baseball. Chris Bryant has been another poster child for it. They kept K- Kalanick down. So they cite, as they always do, that it's because he's not ready and because he really has not had m- many professional at-bats at all, and that is true. But, of course, they got another year out of Kalanick. Reportedly, the Mariners did offer him a contract that he turned down, and I have no problem with that because Kalenic should see how he does to see if he could potentially get a payday with another team at a bigger level. But we are definitely going to see Kalenic at some point this season. It's an, it's a when, not an if. And then the outfield depth becomes even, even more interesting because now it's between Fraley, Hanniger, Lewis, Trammell, Kalenic. It'll be really interesting to see who performs well. The number fifth overall prospect in baseball, Julio Rodriguez, who in 622 career minor league plate appearances, his slash line is 322, 395, and 534. This kid can hit. He is a bit farther behind. We might not see too much of him this year. And then you have some pitchers behind Kalenic and Rodriguez and Emerson Hancock, Logan Gilbert, and George Kirby, who come in at number 31, number 33, and number 92, respectively. And then I mentioned Taylor Trammell, the outfielder, clocks in at number 100 on MLB's top 100 prospect list. Bakota has the Mariners finishing with 72 wins. I'm going to go just over. I think they're in the 73 to 75 range, and I think it's because they had a lot of exciting young talent. And with a team, (laughs) any team that has Kyle Lewis, I think I'm going to pretty much go over, especially with the continued dominance of Marco Gonzalez. And I think Yusei Kikuchi has a huge year. It'll be interesting. Same thing with the Tigers and a lot of teams who are quote unquote rebuilding, even though the Mariners vehemently don't want to call it that. I'm not sure what you can call it since they haven't been to a World Series ever, but they need, it'll be interesting to see who is available at the trade deadline and whether the Mariners will be buyers or sellers. Because with Kalenic, Rodriguez, Gilbert, Trammell developing 
at the rate they are, I don't think the Mariners are too far away. So maybe they go out and get a big pitcher at the deadline, somebody who can they can have under team control for a few years so that when they do compete in three, four, five years, they'll have an ace. James Paxton, I can also see as somebody who, if he performs well, they could deal him and get a couple of young prospects back. So it's really going to just be about tinkering with this developmental farm system, seeing how the prospects develop, seeing how these young guys produce in a full 162 game season. And it'll be so much more interesting and compelling to watch these young players, especially these young prospects, than to see how many games that the Mariners will win. I really and truly believe that because the Mariners have talent it just might not show up in 2021. But I do think the Mariners are less than five years away from really competing, especially with some people think the Astros on our decline. I don't feel that strongly, but they do have a bunch of guys on the wrong end of 30. And the A's, they need some starting pitching help. I, I, could th- I would think that in the future, the Mariners rotation can be just as good, if not better than what the athletics have now. So the AL West is definitely becoming something that is more and more attainable. And right now, the Mariners have a long-term, clear goal with an electric farm system and a lot of major league-ready talent that will be exciting to watch in the future. So that'll wrap up my season preview of the Seattle Mariners. Make sure, as always, to check out the link in the bio of this episode for any season previews that you missed that were posted on SoundCloud before I brought them over to the Did You Hear podcast feed. Go out and enjoy some baseball. Thank you for listening, and make sure to tune in on Monday for a season preview of the St. Louis Cardinals.